Well, hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show, a little bonus edition of the Gridiron Show as we look forward to Super Wildcard Weekend. I kind of forgotten it was called that until I was looking up at a preview of the games to see what all the lines were and I'd forgotten they'd gone with the whole Super Wildcard Weekend, which is their justification for putting two not very good extra teams into the playoffs and adding an extra game in. But it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I think there are some great games across this weekend. I'm with Gavin, joined by Features Editor for Gridiron, Simon Clancy. Simon, you and I here in the playoffs. How are you feeling ahead of uh, Sunday? Oh, I can't wait to get blown out by 50 points on national TV, Will, given that we've only got 11 fit men in the entire team. So, yeah, I'm so counting down the seconds. A lot of exciting two-way players by the sounds of it then. I'm all yeah. for it. I mean, I, I think three-way players. I think Jason Sanders, the kicker, is going to kick. He's also going to play left guard, and I think he's going to play free safety <laughs> as well. So, And uh, if there's an illness and the coaching staff, he could step in there too. So, um, I was just thinking I can't wait to see Teron Armstead like, as a rangy outside corner. Yeah, he's not playing. He's not playing, mate. So <laughs> oh, God damn it. Try to pick a player that's actually going to play. <laughs> I try. Yeah, but I just thought who'd be the funniest. I know, the left tackle. There we go. Sorry. Uh, and he's already shook his head at me in annoyance because if he, he feels like it was a little dig. It wasn't a little dig, Ollie. It was. But- it absolutely was. <laughs> <laughs> I know you so well that that was not just a little dig. It was a full-blown elbow to the ribs. Uh, was that Simon's phone going? Was that the Dolphins backroom staff saying, Simon, we, we know how good you are as a wide receiver in your exploits against the Gridiron team on the tour four or five years ago. Will you come and play in Buffalo? That was pretty much what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, Simon's got a pretty live arm. He could probably start a quarterback this weekend. No, I reckon I could have a shot. He'd put me into the fourth quarter if we were trailing. He's <laughs> got if. a bad concussion record. Well, yes, yes. Uh, Who am I kidding? Oh, buddy, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're going to uh, go through all the games uh, happening this weekend. Uh, the, the the people of Gridiron are desperate for us to pick some kind of upset. I, I went through the lines and I've got one game being an upset and it's the tightest line of the whole weekend. So it doesn't even really feel like an upset. But there we go. I've got an upset for you. Hey, here we go. That's what I want to hear. First, before we just get to that, a uh, little update from earlier in the week. I know we've not gone through all the coaching situations yet. I think that's something that we'll do as we go through the, the off-season and people start to interview and process. It's always a bit of a weird format to do that in podcasts because by the time this you're listening to this tomorrow morning, loads of news might have happened. But I just wanted to mention Derek Carr. We, we figured he was out of town after they dropped him for the last two games of the season. Now confirmed he will be departing. The Las Vegas Raiders looking to trade him before. They've got a really tight deadline on this, actually. They have to trade him before February 15th if they want to cut him for the minimal dead cap that they'd be able to cut him for. So if they cut him on February 15th, he only counts for about $5.5 million against the dead cap. This was basically a three-year extension that was really a one-year deal and really set up as very team-friendly. What it does mean is if somebody comes in and, and does trade for him, then they're going to be getting three years of a, of a middling quarterback at a decent price, but also knowing that, again, he can be cut after one season, after two years, and, and it never cost them a huge amount of money. Simon, do you reckon we get somebody swoop in and, and try and get a deal done, or is everyone just going to sit and wait for that February 15th and and then we see, uh, you know, uh, what we already decided it's over half the teams in the NFL looking for a new starting quarterback, so suddenly there might be a bidding war. I definitely think there's going to be a lot of suitors for his services, uh, and I think the Raiders should move quick on this. I don't know why 
Derek Carr would would move quick on this, though. Why would you waive your no trade clause? I mean, surely you should just force the Raiders to try and cut you so that you then can pick your own new team, get a better contract, and that new team doesn't have to give up assets for you. To me, that just seems like the most sensible thing. I mean, look, I think you're looking at a what top fourteen quarterback. You know, he can be a top eight quarterback on his very best day. Other times, I think he's a bit of an enigma. Um, but in a quarterback starve league, I think there are going to be teams out there that that show interest. I think it's going to be really interesting, though, because of the age, because of the contract, because of the enigmatic performances. I wonder who is going to be that suitor, really, especially when you consider there's likely to be four, maybe five, but almost certainly four um, quarterbacks going the first round in the draft. Carolina, is it? I don't think it'll be the Colts. I just don't think they'll risk it again after the disastrous run of veteran quarterbacks they've had. At least this time he'd be younger than, you know, yeah. already retirement age. Yeah, I just um, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up because I don't think it's necessarily going to be... I, there will definitely be suitors. I just wonder what the, the, the trade talks will be because, you know, do you want a veteran guy who's probably, you know, is he going to... All of a sudden, overnight, Ollie turn into the you know a top eight, top seven, top five quarterback. I, I, I don't think so at all. Um, and he was pretty you know up and down this season, despite having you know Devonte Adams with him. So I don't know. I, I I genuinely don't know where he ends up. People talking about Pittsburgh and the, I mean those aren't going to happen at all. I think Carolina would be a good landing spot, but um, beyond that, I'm not 100 percent sure where I see him go. Really, Ollie, what do you think? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? I'm looking at the the draft, 23 draft um, uh, order at at the moment. So number one is the Bears. They've got fields. They're not going to pick for a quarterback, uh, go for a quarterback in in them. They might. They're they're teasing that, but I don't think they are. I don't think they will. That's that's all about pitching for the draft pick, surely. I think if you remove Justin Fields' ability to move the ball with his legs and look at him solely as a pocket-passing quarterback, you would have to have some fairly significant questions about whether or not Justin Fields, as a quarterback-throwing ball, is the answer to the question. Yes, there are issues with the talent, and yes, he does have the ability to run, and we've removed that. But look at what's happened to Lamar Jackson. has missed multiple games, I think six-plus games over the last two seasons. You know, if that's how you're making your money in terms of running, that's not going to be a, a particularly long longevity is not necessarily in his future. I do think it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I look at someone like Will Levis and just wonder whether or not they just think, you know, what this this kid could be something special, and maybe they deal Justin Fields. I don't know. You're probably right. Well, it probably yeah, is there, smoke. There is there is that option as well. You trade Justin Fields, and somebody gives you a couple of firsts for him, and you still take a quarterback. Yeah. Which actually, in this season, with him still on a rookie deal, I think somebody does at least give you two firsts for him. And actually, I think it's fascinating. Like if Derek Carr was on a longer term deal. I think there's somebody who would give up a first rounder for him. I think if Jimmy Garoppolo had proved that he was healthy, there's probably somebody who would give up a second rounder for him. Like guys who aren't worth that much, but it's such a weak quarterback market this year that I just think that overpaying could definitely be the order of the day. And somebody like that, somebody could. The thing with the Bears pick and picking first is that they're not going to pick a player that's going to help Justin Fields. You know, it's either going to be a quarterback, it's going to be Jalen Carter, or it's going to be Will Anderson. That's it. It's going to be one of those, you know, and, and none of those players help Justin Fields. So I, I do think it's interesting, and I do, 
you know <laughs> this Derek Carr conversation very quickly turned into a Chicago Bears yeah. conversation all because Ollie went on to the draft Ollie right Derek Carr makes the Jets better immediately right or Washington yeah, well, better immediately right like there's some teams who were sat on the edge of that playoffs if you look at those kind of seven and ten teams in and around that area there's a few of those who with a good with competent quarterback play could be a playoff team immediately yeah indeed I mean you look at the, the I don't think that the Lions could be one that he goes to, but do they go in and, and, and get an, another quarterback from another team when they've got the sixth pick and could they move up, go above someone like Arizona who looks, if Kyler Murray is going to be a party to the new hiring of uh, of their coach, then it seems like Kyler Murray is going to be back for the Cardinals. So Jared I'm Goff sure is that- better than Derek Carr. Well, yeah, exactly. So they're not. He's he's not going to go to any of those. Um, the Raiders they need a quarterback. Oh wait, that's that's where he's coming from. I think Washington. <laughs> Washington Will's mentioned Washington. I think that's a. You know, I, I feel like Taylor think, Heineke's had a, a fairly rough time of it actually because I don't think he's been particularly bad. I, I think somehow they are intrigued by. But you know, you look at that wide receiver talent with McLaurin and Dotson and. You know, the players, they got Logan Thomas at tight end, Brian Robinson, <coughs> excuse me, Antonio Gibson. I, I think that Derek Carr would make a lot of sense in Washington. And I think the Jets as well. I think the Jets makes a lot of sense given... You think he could handle New York? Uh, yeah, I think he probably could. I think <laughs> he's um, he's a stoic character. Uh, all right, he's, he'd have to play in the cold and he's going from a dome field to to an open one and all of that. But um, the market-wise, I think he, he probably could. We've... He seems a pretty stoic character. So, yeah, I think Jets or, or Washington. Washington's a great shout as well. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to the games uh, this weekend. Let's just hit them chronologically, work our way through them, starting off in San Francisco, Saturday night, uh, 9.30 UK time. Uh, it's apparently going to be rainy in San Francisco this weekend. Happens to be a couple of teams with pretty decent run games. Plenty of Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell on one side, Kenneth Walker on the other, of course, being divisional rivals. These two teams have faced twice this season already. The 49ers coming out on top both times. They they hammered the Seahawks at home earlier in the season by 20 points. And the Seahawks' only points in that game coming off a blocked uh, field goal return for a touchdown. No, Nothing scored on offense. Second matchup was tighter, only eight points in Seattle, but it was quite a weird game where the 49ers had a couple of, you know, went for it on fourth down and was stopped a couple of times in Seahawks territory and a late touchdown kind of made it a a one-score game. But yeah, yeah, there's all this, we've already talked to, and and you'll hear it if you go to the Tales from the Bay podcast. We've talked to Javon Kinlaw and Aaron Banks this week, and everyone's giving it that same thing that everyone always gives it. It's tough to play a team three times. 49ers did beat the Rams twice last year in the regular season, lost to them in the NFC Championship game. But I don't know, I, I obviously have a bias in this, but... Ollie, I feel like there is a disparity between these two that, that there wasn't between the Rams and 49ers last year. A massive one, an absolutely gargantuan one. And that's all because of the introduction of Christian McCaffrey into that offense, who it just expands everything. Um, and the the you could say luck in Brock Purdy, the Brockett ship or whatever you want to call him, just being, um, being able to handle the offense. Obviously... Oh. It feels like it's slightly scaled down from what it was with Jimmy G, but I think that it's starting to get scaled up as he's starting to learn the offense more and more and more. 
they're just way too talented comparatively across the board um, on all facets, aren't they? Like the 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 offense is just electric with all of those different weapons. George Kittle, I know, made Simon's uh, uh, Simon's all team of the year, team. isn't it? The, the, all dude's team. He's yeah. one of those. If nothing else, he is one of those. Let's we'll get, we'll get the trophy off to him as soon as we can. But um, so Kittle's had a, a really, really good year. And when you've got him making tiptoe t- catches in, in the back of the end zone and um, the offense just really humming and, and, and not really missing a beat since two quarterbacks have gone down. And then add to that the, the the defense. I just don't think the Seahawks have got enough, despite being really well coached this year by Pete Carroll. Simon, yeah. I was going to give this as a uh, an upset in <gasps> that you play. Look, I think the 49ers can win the Super Bowl. I just do think that sometimes when you play teams a number of times, weird stuff can happen. Yeah, Brock Purdy six and zero. He's been phenomenal. But, you know, there's going to have to be at some point a, 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 a down period, a down quarter, a down half, a down game. He's been amazing to this point. But, you know, history says that it will happen. This is the biggest game of his career. Um, I, I suppose what swings it for me is that I just look at the cold, hard stat. You, you talk about that game that was in Seattle, you know, that, that game was tight until that Travis Homer fumble. But I think the thing that probably just does it for me is that you look at this, some of the core stats. And I'm not a massive stat person, but you know, the 49ers lead the NFL in yards after the catch. The Seahawks defense gives up the second most yards after catch. The Seahawks allow 7.9 yards per catch to tight ends and running backs, which is a league high. And the two hottest players on the 49ers offense over the last month have been George Kittle, the tight end, and Christian McCaffrey, the running back, in terms of skill position players. So, uh, you know, I think the 49ers will win. Uh, I think the 49ers are good enough to go to the Super Bowl and win. And this could also be a truth in that I wouldn't be shocked if there was a, a, a just a surprise solely because of the fact that the teams know each other so well. Um, and... You know, Geno Smith has had a good year. He's got good players to throw to. They've got a good running game. I think the rookies have developed well at tackle. Defensively, yeah, Jordan Brooks is a big loss in terms of the injuries. They've got good corners. Quandre Diggs is, you know, good player on the back end. They've got a good kicking game. I think the 49ers win, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was the other way around. There is, uh, you know, this is a Seattle team that went 6-2, and two. And ended the season nine and eight. You know, there's a lot of other teams who are in that area who lost a huge amount of momentum in the second half of the year. And yet what I did see in the Rams win, in the Jets win, was that there were suddenly explosive plays back in the offense, which was missing so much over that streak of of games where they lost what's uh, maths in my head quickly, six in six in eight or whatever that end, that run was. So I think that the Seahawks are probably better than they were than the other two times we faced them earlier in the year. But I do, I, I am picking uh, the 49ers this. I just, you know, the Seahawks have been given, I think, 10 points and I kind of fancy them to cover. I kind of fancy it to be in the rain, tighter than people are expecting. But I do fancy a 49ers win. Uh, let's turn our attention to Jacksonville. The Jaguars with a brilliant second half of the season, winning the AFC South face, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, and the uh, the big 
armed quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, it's a rematch from week three where the Jags, let's not forget, destroyed the Chargers in LA 38 to 10. And yet the Chargers come into this one favoured. They have uh, Joey Bosa back now. They have Mike Williams potentially playing this weekend. Unfortunately, Rashawn Slater won't be back. But if they progress past this stage, could be back during the playoffs, which is sensational news for them if it does happen. Yeah, the ja- the, the Chargers come into this as, as two and a half point favourites, interestingly. I which think is, it's um, going to be a great game, Ollie, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I really do. Um, I think it could go one of two ways. So... I think the Jags can be quite they can be quite annoying in not being able to get the ball moving properly on offense at times. Not recently, not with Trevor Lawrence's the way he's been playing, but the game against the Titans um it, it is is a uh, is a bit of a worry. So that could then drag down the Chargers with them into and we'll get like a uh, a game for the purists despite all of the talent that is on the Chargers. Now I say that could happen because Brandon Staley is, um, I, he's just not. I don't think he's a very good coach. Um, the the antics in keeping all the starters in last week um, for too long. Uh, some of the stuff, some of the decisions that he's historically made over the last couple of seasons. I just it could turn into this bit turgidy Jags Jags uh, Chargers or Jags Titans type game. What I'm actually thinking is going to happen is that this the Jags' offense last week looked really good. Christian Kirk starting to to find his feet. Um, Travis Etienne has looked looked excellent ever since Robinson's left. In any case, Trevor Lawrence has been balling out bar the the Titans game, and the the Chargers have just got so much going on. So it could be. I think it's either it was feast or famine. We'll have the famine of the of of not many points, or we'll have loads and loads of points. I'm not sure there's an in between point, and I'm actually I I'm leaning towards the Jags in this. I think the the they are they that stadium can get loud when it wants to and put a load of pressure onto the Chargers. I'm going Jags. I am um, the I saw today that the um the passer rating improvement for Trevor Lawrence from year one to year two is the, is the biggest increase in league history from it's a rookie to a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. From, from a rookie to a sophomore season. And, you know, you mentioned Christian Kirk there. He's the contract was much maligned, but he's had a, a, a unbelievable share this year and, and actually 815 receiving yards from the slot only behind CD lamb in terms of, you know, taking catches from that position on the alignment. You mentioned the running game as well. Like that offense really does feel like it's fixed. I still feel like Austin Eckler plays a huge part in this game for me, Simon, because the, those young rookie linebackers, whilst they've been allowed to roam free and do some fun stuff and blitz and cover and discipline has been a little bit of an issue. And I feel like if the Chargers approach this in a kind of very sensible run the ball, like retriculate down the field kind of manner, I think they can score plenty of points on Jacksonville. And that's the one side of the ball I'm concerned about. But I've also picked the Jags for this one to get a a minor upset. Mm. Yeah, I can see. Look, I'm doing a lot of fencing here. I can see the Chargers winning the whole thing, right? Because Justin Herbert is an absolute mutant. Um, I think ultimately, though, this will come down to coaching, and it's why I think the Jaguars will win this game. I love what Trevor Lawrence has done in the second half of the season. I think he's been absolutely spectacular. And I just think Doug Peterson is just a better coach than Brandon Staley. Doug Peterson is 4-1 and one as an underdog in the playoffs, second best only to Tom Flores, who was 5-0 and oh as an underdog. And I think his experience 
He is, you look at the big playoff game. It wasn't a playoff game, but the, it was a win and in scenario last year for the, for the Chargers and how badly coached a game it was for, for, for the Chargers in terms of what Brandon Staley did in that game and really cost the Chargers a place in the playoffs, I, th- I think. Um, and I just, it, it comes back to one thing for me. Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game in high school, in college, or in the NFL on a Saturday. And that <laughs> is everything you need to know about why the Jaguars will beat the Chargers. <laughs> oh, I don't like that we've. I don't like that we've clean sweeped it. I do not like that. I am ter- that terrifies me. Uh, but I feel like we're going to clean sweep the first game on Sunday night as well. How many? Can I ask how many high schools play on Saturday and how many NFL teams play on a Saturday? But that doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I love, I stop, love stop, that. stop in this narrative. Investigating my narrative, Ollie. <laughs> He's never um, lost an NFL game on a Wednesday. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, stop avoiding talking about the Bills and the Dolphins, Simon. Come on. <laughs> the line's gone dead. I, I can't. <laughs> oh, I, know, I don't want to be this harsh. I just. Yeah. No, no, just, it's fine. I think. Um, look, I, I think they played two incredible games this season. It was twenty to nineteen to the Dolphins in in Miami, and it was thirty one twenty eight or thirty one twenty seven to to Buffalo three weeks, four weeks ago. Two really brilliant games. The game in the snow was a fantastic. Whoever has the ball last essentially wins, which the, the Bills did, and they drove down the field and, and Tyler Bass kicked the field goal to win it at the end. Um, so. I think if everybody was healthy with the Dolphins, it would be a really good game. I think, you know, what Mike McDaniel and Tua do to that Bills defense is, you know, is there for everybody to see. It's happened in those two games. What I think now is that essentially Miami are starting a third string quarterback. They'll start their sixth string, essentially sixth string left tackle because I don't think Teron Armstead is going to play. Uh, their offensive line will be made up of potentially two practice squad players and two two street free agents, one of whom wasn't even on the team 10 days ago, who might even start a left tackle, which is the most bizarre thing. Um, Jalen Wardle's got a shoulder injury. Um, Tyreek Hill's got an ankle problem, which meant that he kept having to come out of the last two games. Um, and then defensively, obviously, there's all the issues on the, on, on the back end. Raheem Moser's got a broken thumb and probably won't play. Um, so... Look, it's for me. It's um, it's great that the Dolphins are in the playoffs, but it's it's kind of disappointing because you want to be competitive. I don't want to get on Saturday night and on Sunday afternoon, sorry, by on national television and shown up. And you know, I'm oh. I'm young enough to remember the uh, sixty-two to seven. That was you know, and it kind of feels like perhaps not that sort of territory, but you could absolutely see the Bills putting up a, a big score at home. DeMar Hamlin, obviously amazing news that he's been released from hospital in Buffalo. I'm sure he'll be at the game on Sunday. Why wouldn't he be? Uh, and the emotion, the the everything that goes into it. And, and you know, you're asking Skylar Thompson, a seventh-round rookie out of Kansas State, to beat probably the best team in the league. And I just don't think it's going to happen. The offense looks so different when Tua's not playing in terms of how they're able to move the ball through the air. Um, so yeah, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, but injuries are a part of the game. We've just been absolutely screwed by them. And I, I think we'll get screwed on, on Sunday, unfortunately, which is a shame. So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person in America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand 
in the car park outside the stadium enjoying a cold beer maybe one or two as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air if not or if you have and you fancy doing it again well touchdown trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite nfl team and when we say amazing we mean it the guys and the girls at touchdown trips put fans first and are passionate the fans who book with them get a proper unforgettable and more importantly a unique nfl experience you don't just get tickets but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans college fan you want to go to a college game stadium tour why not as well as all that they include flights from across the uk they've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add such as an nba game or an nhl game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly at all protected and abta bonded so if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch give the team at touchdown trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com check them out on facebook facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips or twitter at touchdown trips touchdown trips you have to see it to believe it i i think we can talk more about both the off, right? Say something miraculous doesn't happen. We're going to have plenty of time next week and beyond to talk about the off season for Miami and what they do at quarterback, etc. And equally, I think we'll have plenty more time to talk about the Bills. But watching that game last Sunday and seeing the throws that Josh Allen made—I mean, the obvious one being the Stefan Diggs touchdown—but yeah. you compare it with Brown just well, John Brown throw, was yeah, unreal. the jo- unreal. And you compare um, it with two or three weeks earlier when. He was still hitching that elbow on the sideline and still icing it up and still like if Josh Allen is full go Josh Allen, which it looked like he was on Sunday, then right now the Bills are my pick for the AFC in yeah. a very strong AFC where I do love the Bengals and I do love the Chiefs. And you already mentioned the Chargers could come out of nowhere to to do something. And we've all picked the Jags to beat the Chargers. So like, I don't get me wrong. I get that it's the harder conference to come out of, but that Bills team, it feels like a bit of a, a team of destiny right now with the way that it's going and the way that Josh Allen's got healthy at the right moment. It's funny this weekend that I would say the two games, which are probably going to get the smallest TV audiences, the least national interest, the least kind of storylines in the build-up for them, are probably going to end up being the two best games of the weekend in terms of how close they are, because I love Chargers-Jags. And I honestly, I know that a few weeks ago they played out the Fraud Bowl, which saw the last minute you know field goal to win it giants vikings i just this is the the ultimate kind of coin flip for me i i don't know about you simon i'm struggling to pick this one I, i'm going with the giants ollie i don't know about you but i, I know that well, yeah. the 61 yard field goal at the end of the game to to win it a few weeks ago but you know yep they lack receiving talent but you know Daniel Jones has played really well this season. He can move the ball with his legs, which is something that the, the Vikings don't like. They can run the ball with Saquon. They've got a decent defense. And I, I've always thought all season long that the Vikings are frauds. And I think they'll get found out in the playoffs. I think this is a strike this one up, Oliver, as a win for the Giants for me. Yeah, I actually, I've gone the same. Um, I think the Giants, I think it was, a, it, it was really beneficial that they rested nearly everybody last week. And, um, or they, they they take the defeat or whatever, you know, but it, it's all about the playoff game. They go to Minnesota. Minnesota are the ultimate sheep in wolf's clothing, aren't they? They 
I just I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, or even a wolf in sheep's clothing. On yeah, it. that one as well. The <laughs> other way around. Um, I don't see the wolf, the sheep in wolf's clothing either. Um, the lamb in grandma's clothing. Yeah, but um, they are. Aside from Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, I'm I'm struggling, and a few pieces maybe on on the defense. But that defensive line has has taken a massive downgrade. Daniel Hunter, no relation, by the way. He um he's really regressed. Um. So Darius Smith looked great at the beginning of the season, but has has fallen away. Maybe they're they're waiting to to get going again in the playoffs. But I really like the way Brian Dable has molded this team into a bit of his mold, into a bit of his image. And they're they're pragmatic. They use what they have really well. They don't really go beyond or try anything outside of that. And it's worked for them. Nine wins, and I've got them to to upset the Vikings. All right, I'm going to be the one person that is a Muggins then, and I'm going to pick Minnesota because actually yeah, I do I do think their defense is is good enough to stop the New York Giants. I do think that defensive line is good enough. I do think that you know, Patrick Peterson's playing at a level that we've not seen him play for three or four years this year, and there's enough young support in that secondary. I don't think they'll go any further. And I love the way that Dayball has coached this this Giants team up, and and I've got a lot of love for what they've done this year. I just think that the playoffs is going to be a step too far, and I'm going to take the Vikings. So right. uh, I do enjoy. You mentioned Daniel Jones and what he can do with his legs. Did everyone see Dan Olofsky's, uh playoff quarterback rankings for the starting quarterbacks in the playoffs? No. So um, this is the the order that he had it in. I'm going to go reverse order. So he had Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy. Bit harsh, but and then Dak Prescott followed by uh, Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith. He said it's just based on play this year, not overall balance. But Cowboys fans are absolutely livid. He then has Trevor Lawrence below Daniel Jones, which I thought was a bit of a shocker. And then it's Brady, Lamar, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. The left-hand column is, you know, terrifying, and you could pick it in that top five in in most orders and be fine with it. But uh, yeah, I, I am enjoying Cowboys fans' toys going firmly out of the pram about Dak being in twelfth on that list. If there's ever a franchise, fans of a franchise who have zero perception of of how their team is actually doing and and how it's looking, it's the Cowboys, isn't it? I mean. That Prescott was dreadful, dreadful last week. He hasn't been great since he came back from injury. He he wasn't that good before injury either. So I don't know what their I don't know what their problem is. I can't I can't argue with that based on play this year. You can't. Yeah. It's unfair that he's been picked up by Brock Purdy personally. Uh, well, but, uh... it may be. <laughs> Can I just check again where Skylar Thompson was on the list? <laughs> oh, it was 14th out of 14. Oh, really? Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> he actually put you on the list in 14th and Skylar Thompson in 15th oh, after well, we yeah. discussed that earlier briefly. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so just I just need to warm this all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, uh, Sunday night, 8.15 uh, Eastern, so one fifteen UK time. Uh, and then we'll get on to Monday night football. Uh, it is the Ravens-Bengals. Do we know, is Lamar going to be back Sunday? Like, <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, I mean, that makes this a very, very difficult game to pick uh, anything other than a, a Bengals domination. I kind of feel like even with Lamar, 
the Bengals are just a much better all-round team than the than the Ravens anyway, Ollie. But he, without that kind of special X factor that could maybe swing things, that just oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, it's it's a divisional game, divisional rivals in the playoffs, and as Simon was saying earlier, funny things do happen. I don't really see it this time round because the Bengals are, are flying at the moment, but. That that Baltimore Ravens defense, Roquan Smith just got a hundred million dollar deal. Um, that that Ravens defense has been so good, really, really good. But they are going up against uh, that stacked, absolutely stacked Bengals uh, offense. But yeah, it's such a shame, such a shame that uh, Lamar can't make it. Not just for the for the playoffs itself, but also uh, he's he's looking ahead to next year and and what's going to happen with his contract situation. I'm sure that's a, a, a conversation for the off season, but uh, he needed to play in this game. Um, yeah. I don't think it hurts his contract to not play here, but if he'd come in and been brilliant and guided them to either a win or a very tight loss, that wouldn't, that, I mean, just proves how much they need him. I, I am concerned about just the overall construction of this Ra- Raider Ravens team because without him, it just, it's not come together at all, Simon. No, uh, it, it's been a re- really strange season for the Ravens, I think. Uh, and a lot of that's to do with Lamar, but they can't have not expected it to come. And it goes back to the conversation we had earlier on with Justin Fields, you know, the number of games that he's missed. Ollie just said it, it's going to be a fascinating discussion in the offseason in terms of what they do with him, uh, whether or not they franchise him, whether or not they sign him to a new contract, whether or not they, they tag and trade him, who knows. Um, I, to me, this is an absolute, absolute, you know, Bengals by however many, really. Um, I think that in the biggest games, the Bengals, which, you know, which is now, and you only have to look at the early portion of that Buffalo game before the terrible in, uh, tragedy to with DeMar Hamlin, I, I think you only have to look at how the Bengals were moving the ball up and down the field. Um, Joe Burrow looked absolutely on. He has the gene, whatever it is, he has it, you know, in terms of, um, I'm pretty sure if you looked it up, he probably hasn't lost a game on Saturday either at high school, college or, or the NFL. Um, he's just a special, special player. And and actually, I, I think the Bengals, if if everything goes to them, I think the Bengals could win the Super Bowl this year. I think they're that good. That Yeah, there's been some issues in the running game. Joe Mixon hasn't got to four yards per carry. I think defensively, there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of weaknesses, especially with Chidobi Awuzie out and, uh, and Hendrickson banged up and Sam Hubbard banged up. And But I just think they're so good. I just think Joe Burrow is so good. Um, and actually, I've got, <laughs> I've got to give Zach Taylor a bit of credit because actually he's coached them pretty well this season. Um, and maybe I'm just saying that because the counterbalance, because Cliff Kingsbury has been sent back to some, you know, <laughs> I, I, still, I, I, I still think the offense is too simple and relies too much on those talent levels. And yeah, sure. But you could say the same about the dolphins who are eight and three doing exactly the same thing. Um, you know, and, and they can move the ball on the ground. Uh, I, I do, I do really like the Bengals and I think they'll just have too much for the, for the Ravens this weekend. And it has been fascinating to see guys like Trent and Irwin uh, yeah. come out when they've had those injuries and and really perform. Uh, plenty more time to talk about the Bengals, so I think they will be in the uh, game in the uh, playoffs next week. And of course, it tees us up for Bengals Buffalo this time in Buffalo. And you know, I, I think the 
overall conversation around Damar Hamlin with the, the news that he's home, that he's been discharged from hospital and everything else is has kind of slowed down in terms of the news cycle. But, you know, if that ends up being the first game he attends or, you know, anything that happens around that is going to be a huge emotional moment. So, uh, you know, the NFL loves its storylines and, and I suspect we might be getting a pretty special one next weekend. This was always going to be either Sunday night football or Monday night football. I, I couldn't see it being anything else. And the Dallas Cowboys going to an eight and nine Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, a 19th, this, the, it hurts my brain, a 19th divisional title, a 20th playoff appearance in 22 years in the league, and his first losing season for Tom Brady. With the way that the Cowboys did play against Washington, do we put much stock in that? Because it was week 18 and maybe the foot came off the gas when they saw just how much the the Eagles were were blowing out the Giants by? Or should there be some concern, Simon? Because, I mean, Ollie already referenced it, but they were not just like, oh, we're not really playing hard bad. They were just bad. You know that Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other? (laughs) That's these two teams. Yeah. (laughs) That's these two things, essentially. Look, I I think that coming into the season, Dallas, you know, had a bit of a, you know, when Dak Prescott got injured, the excuse was that Dak is injured and that's why we're not playing particularly well. And then when Dak came back and was healthy and they were still playing bad, the excuse disappeared. I think over the last five weeks, they've sort of backed their way into the playoffs. They've not been very good. They've not been very good on defense. They've not been very good on offense. Uh, they've not been consistent enough in the run game. I think the defense has, get, has gone from giving up 18 points per game in the first 12 to almost 30 points per game in the last six. Um, and yes, you could take the Washington game out of the equation, but I think that just takes it down to 27.9 per yards uh, points per game. Um, so yeah, um, I think that the Buccaneers will win this. I think that Tom Brady, you know, I, I just think this will be one of the... Uh, sorry, my next-door neighbour's singing really loudly and it's coming through the wall. <laughs> can I ask what they're singing? I don't know. I can't hear it because it's an old Victorian house and the walls are quite thick, but I can just hear him singing. He's a no. massive Manchester City fan, but I don't think City are playing tonight, are they? So I don't know why he's singing. But anyway, they're, it's they're... sort of slightly off-putting. <laughs> um, there, there, uh, there was a sensational moment on uh, on TalkSport today where Jim White had Farhad Mashiri on, the Everton owner. Yeah. And you could, just, you could just hear in the background very quietly eye of the tiger <laughs> coming from machinery yeah, coming from Brilliant. down his phone line it's just like that is glorious like that he psyched himself up for the call uh yeah, really, i think the buccaneers will win this way ollie sorry it was number one when i was born so oh, there nice. we go nice all right yeah, maybe well, fired machinery was celebrating your birthday yeah uh, <laughs> in the wrong month yeah yeah months <laughs> early thanks thanks farhad i appreciate it uh, would you? How do you fancy Cowboys uh, Bucks, Ollie? I actually, I've I've got down the Cowboys to win, but I'm not really sure why. I don't think the Bucks have been very good, but it's Brady. It seems like he's got that connection back with Mike Evans. Who knows whatever happened there? Maybe because Evans didn't invite him out to the Hofbrau House in in Munich when uh, when we were out there. Um. Uh, I, the Bucks are a weird one. The running game really hasn't been good. They've been disjointed across the board. But Brady has managed to pull it all together. The defense has been all right, actually, to be fair. But Brady's managed to pull it all together. I think he's had three game-winning drives in the fourth quarter this season. 
Um, and that's out of the eight wins that they've had in the end in the official NFC disgrace. Uh, it's back. Um, everyone's happy that that the NFC disgrace is back. So I've I've put down the the Cowboys, but I may have just convinced myself of the of the, the three of the three times a team with a losing record has has gone to the playoffs in a non-strike year, taking eighty two out of it. Um, the team with a losing record who's a divisional champion going up against the best seed, best non-division winning seed, has won two out of three times. It's only Washington last time out in 2020 who had lost. And I just think it's... I've picked the Cowboys as well, but there is part of me that's like, let's see a Bucks win and let's see Mike McCarthy go down in flames and uh, the Cowboys absolutely lose their minds. And that's just... That's what I'm kind of rooting for because I think it'd be fun. But... I do think the Cowboys, if they turn up, if that if that front end of that defense turns up and yeah. start and gets pressure on Tom Brady, if yeah, I feel like I'm going to roll out a whole bunch of ifs here. Um, maybe I do fancy Tampa Bay. Maybe I'm going to switch my pick. <laughs> That's exactly what I just did after hearing Simon. You know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is I'm going to keep on the Cowboys until Monday when we see some kind of upset over the weekend, and then I'll get really emboldened and switch my pick on Monday because I'll yeah. be like, "No, nah, if the Giants can beat the Vikings and the Seahawks can beat the 49ers, then of course the Bucks are going to win." Like, yeah, whatever that might be. Uh, oh, I'm excited. What super wildcard weekend. Then the best weekend of football next weekend. Divisional round on the horizon. And we're just a little over four weeks away from Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. Very, very exciting. Gents, uh, any final thoughts ahead of the weekend? Tiger Feet by Mud was number one when I was born, Ollie. How weird's that? If Will's got a song with Tiger in, the, in it, that would be the weirdest thing ever. Oh my God! Yeah, where were you born, Will? Will? I'm pretty sure Stevie Wonder was number one when I was. Will, what was your birthday? (laughs) I'm not giving out my date of birth on on a podcast. I can tell you that I just called to say I love you by Stevie Wonder was number one on the day I was born. Uh, Well, well, that's ruined it. So. So disappointing. Probably just cut this. What other Tiger songs are there? I don't know. I mean. There's got to be loads of songs with Tiger in the day. Yeah. Let's have a look. Songs with Tiger. <laughs> well, I've got to go and do another Tiger. podcast. I've got to go no, no, to no, record no. the Tiger no, 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 here called the 50 best songs with Tiger in the title. <laughs> but none of them were number one in 1984 when I was born, were oh, they? So You never know. Sorry, guys. We'll find another significant life moment of mine where a Tiger song was number one and everyone could be happy about it. Uh, gents, always a pleasure. Uh, look forward to firing back and forth on the WhatsApps when all of our predictions go down in flames this weekend. Thank you, everyone, for listening, engaging on social media at uh, UK Gridiron on Instagram, at Gridiron on Twitter. You can find us on uh, TikTok and all those other good places as well. Uh, and do check out Faithful to the Bay this week. So we've got Mooch on, which is very exciting. Uh, so we're going to be doing that shortly. And that will also be out on the Gridiron podcast feed. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> See you in Canton. Skyler. <laughs> See you in Canton. We'll be laughing next week. Uh, when uh, no one will be laughing. That Nobody will be, will be laughing. national morning. Thank you, gents. Thank I you for be. watching and listening. 